0: Father, I thank you for the truth that is found in that song. And it says that even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop working. Father, I'm so grateful that your word declares that the purposes of God will prevail. Father, it doesn't matter what we see happening around us. It doesn't matter if we can't make sense or heads or tails of things. You are at work and your purposes will come to pass. And so, Father, today we choose to declare your praise. We choose to be thankful. We choose to live a life of gratitude And Father, we say today, thank you. For what you are doing, even though we don't see it at this very moment. Father, we see the world around us. We see our circumstances, but we don't always see what you are doing. And we choose that in spite of that, we will declare our praise to you. We thank you. And Father, thank you for a week of thanksgiving. Thank you for the opportunities that many of us have had to gather around the table. And to be with our close family and to spend time together and to realize the many blessings that you have poured out on our lives. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you today. I trust that you and your family had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday together. I know that for our family, we sure enjoyed being together, and I'm glad to be with you this morning, even though we're together only online, we understand that we are part of the body of Christ, and as such, we are together and we are part of the unified body of Christ. A couple of years ago, as part of our Serve Week outreach, I was spending some time with my friend Rod, who is the director of a ministry called Be the Tool. And as we were driving, I think we were headed to Menards or something like that, Rod said to me that he was irritated when people used words incorrectly. And then Rod went on to tell me that I needed to work on how I use the words I and me in a sentence because sometimes I would evidently get them mixed up. And so I really began to think about this and it really, it really got me because I love words and, and I, I, I like to use words correctly. And I thought about it and I would, I would never say me went to the grocery store. And if I thought about it a little further and I took my wife with me to the grocery store, I certainly would not say Veronica um, and, and me. And so if you take Veronica out of it, it would just be me went rather than Veronica and I And I'd never paid attention to it before, and it was something that really struck me, and it instantly just dug right into my brain. And I remember a few years ago someone saying to me and challenging me to really listen to um, how I would use the words good and well. When someone would ask me how I was doing, I would frequently say, I'm doing good rather than doing well. I was challenged about that, and I love words, so those things really stuck with me. And for me, it's fun to, to pay attention to how people pronounce and use different words. In fact, sometimes when I meet someone for the first time or listen to something for the first time, my wife will look at me and say, I can tell right now you are trying to figure out how to say it the way they're saying it. I love it, too, when people make up completely new words. They'll take two different words, and they'll combine them together into one single word, which really doesn't even exist. I love the fact that sports commentators are really good at this. In fact, they'll use that word so much that it just becomes accepted that this is now somehow a word. Well, today, I want to do that, and the title of my message is called thank I want you to make sure that you get it because you might want to use it and together we can make this, I think, really an acceptable word going forward, thank Don't forget it. I want you to remember it. But that idea is the idea of abounding in a characteristic of gratitude. There was a Roman in the first century B.C. that was a prolific writer. His name was Cicero. And Cicero said this, Gratitude was the mother of all virtue. Our series throughout the month of November has been called Thanks Living. And today what I would like to do is I would like to explore the connection between thanksgiving and And generosity. Generosity is bountiful in sharing. It's unselfish. And thankfulosity is the connection that exists between gratitude and generosity. Just like mercy and grace, they are two sides to the same coin. They are symbiotic in their relationship. In other words, they are mutually beneficial. Let's look at, I think, some ways that we can think about how to be generous. And there's a number of ways that we can be generous. We can be generous in our thoughts. We can be generous with our words. We can be generous with our financial resources. We can be generous with our time. We can be generous with things and possessions. We can be generous with our influence and certainly with our attention. And as I began to study to prepare for today, I found a number of words that I really felt like would give us an incredible deep understanding of this idea of generosity. And I want to call them the five aspects of generosity. And the first aspect is simply the word generous. The idea of being generous. It's about the nature of the one who gives. James, the brother of Jesus, writes in his letter that if we lack wisdom, that we should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. The idea of being generous is about the giver. The scripture says that, in fact, James says, again, every good and perfect gift comes from God. Jesus says it this way in the Gospels, ask and it will be given you. We realize that that as followers of Christ, we have been given, well, in fact, as, as all of humanity, we've been given this incredible gift of life here on this earth, but it extends even farther beyond that because we've also been given the gift of God's son, Jesus Christ. God literally has given the very best of heaven for you and I so that we would have the opportunity to accept the free gift of salvation. God's nature, God's character is to be generous. Generous with you, generous with me, generous toward the entire world. The second aspect that I want to look at is the aspect of being charitable. And as it's being charitable, charitable that, that aspect of generosity, it's as much about the giver as it also is about the receiver. When it refers to the giver, being charitable refers to the kindness of the one who is giving, but it also refers to the incredible need of the one who is the recipient. The Apostle Paul pointed out our position in relationship to God's generosity in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8, when he says this, You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, in those verses, the greatness of our need is juxtaposed to the greatness of God's ability to meet our need. And friends, our need was great. God knew our desperate need for grace and his response to our incredible need was generosity. The third aspect Of generosity is the idea of being liberal, which refers to the amount of generosity. God's generosity toward you and toward me is liberal in its amount. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter three and verse twenty, where he says this now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God's generosity exceeds our imagination. His liberal generosity toward us, it knows no end, it knows no limit, it knows no boundary. Number four is the idea of God's generosity as being bountiful. It means abundance or plenty, and it includes an overflow. The Apostle Paul, in his letter, God said to him, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. It is literally beyond what you need. It's everything that you would ever need. In Psalm 23, David said it this way, "'My cup overflows.'" When there's bountiful generosity, it causes the blessings of God in our lives to spill over. And that overflow is not designed for us to scoop up or lap up and keep for ourselves, but it is specifically done that way because it is to extend beyond ourselves to others. And number five... The fifth aspect is munificent generosity. Munificent generosity is a gift that is so large that it utterly evokes amazement. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 verses 7 and 8 where Paul says this, In in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. The Greek word there for lavish, it refers to being in excess, to be superfluous, to super abound or to excel. It's beyond normal, it's literally amazing. It was munificent generosity That caused John Newton in the 18th century, a poet, an Anglican priest, as well as a former enslaver of those from the nation of Africa, to write these words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. But now I see God is always generous to you and to me. And He is so generous that it is amazing, He is always charitable. He is always liberal. He is always bountiful. He's always munificent in his generosity to us. His nature and his character are generous. In Psalm chapter 84, verse 1, we read that God says, No good thing does God withhold from the upright. Friends, I want you to know that God's generosity is real, but it is not random. God's generosity toward you and I is, it is purposeful. There is an intention behind that generosity. So let's look at some purposes of God's generosity. Our series that we've been talking through here in the month of November is a, a, a series about living a life of gratitude. In Luke chapter 7, we read about a woman who was an adulterous woman. In fact, the, really the, the, the underlying thought here is that she was a prostitute. And that during a supper that Jesus had been invited to, she was able to gain access into this area. And that she knelt at his feet, And she wept over his feet, and she broke open what was called an alabaster jar or box of perfume. And she anointed his feet, and she literally wiped his feet with her hair. Scholars tell us that the value of this container of perfume would have been the equivalent of one year's wages and one source that I found said that it would have been a a value in today's world of about $55,000. Now, the person that hosted this gathering was very critical of Jesus because Jesus was allowing this sinful woman to touch him. But let me ask you a question. Why would this woman conduct such a bold act of worship? Jesus goes on to explain that those who have been forgiven much love much. This action of generosity that we see from her was prompted by her gratitude. You see, she realized, as as an adulterous woman, as even a a former prostitute, she realized that she had, had sinned greatly in her life and that God's forgiveness to her produced in her an incredible sense of gratitude. And that gratitude then produced a desire for radical generosity. And it was based on the recognition of being blessed. You see, generosity inspires further thankfulness in our lives. Gratitude then is translated into more generosity. Gratitude and generosity become an addictive cycle in a very positive way you say well how can an addictive cycle be positive let me let me just illustrate you see i think that's why farmers continue to do what they do look at what paul says in second corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 paul says this remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will reap generously I have a friend of mine who's been a farmer his whole life. And when his dad was on his deathbed, his dad wanted to be able to tell him something very specific. And that day, as his dad was preparing to pass away, what he told his son was this. He said, on this certain day, this certain calendar day, you need to call the seed company. And on that day, you need to order this particular type and brand of seed. You see, that old farmer who was getting ready to pass away, he knew the value of the harvest. And he knew if their farm was to survive, that there needed to be a harvest. And that harvest requires seed to be planted. And that old farmer knew what the best seed was. Let's look at 2 Corinthians again, chapter 9, verses 10 to 12, where Paul writes this to the Corinthians. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Friends, generosity, God's generosity is like seed in our lives and that generosity gives forth a harvest and that harvest has a purpose. I'd like us to take a moment and to look at the purposes behind God's generosity in our lives. The first purpose is this, that generosity produces blessing. You see, Generosity is a principle, biblical generosity, it's a principle that applies to everyone. The Bible says that rain falls on the just and the unjust. And these principles of generosity, they work without regard to the person. So whether you believe them today or whether you believe the Bible today is not what matters. You see, the principles work no matter what we believe. And whether we realize it or not, we actually believe them. We're coming up very soon on the Christmas season. People have begun to put up their trees, they've put up their lights. And what do we do when we're parents at Christmas time? We try to teach our children a lesson. We know that our kids are going to be very excited about receiving gifts at Christmas. We, we know that they're excited. We know that they're looking forward to it. But we want them to understand that there is a blessing that is associated with giving. In fact, that giving is better than receiving. We know they're going to be excited to receive those gifts. We know that when that envelope comes from grandma and grandpa, those kids know that there's something in it and they're going to get to buy gifts or presents with it or, or when they sit down on Christmas or Christmas Eve to open those gifts, there's going to be toys, there's going to be things that they've asked for. They understand that, but we want them to understand that it's not about receiving. But the real joy, the real blessing comes in giving. Even Jesus said this. He said, It's more blessed to give than to receive. God's generosity results in many blessings in our lives. That generosity produces blessing in all who receive it. When God moves in our hearts and we're thankful and we have gratitude and as a result we are generous, that generosity blesses those who receive it. But it also produces even a larger blessing in our own lives. Because we have been generous, because we now are blessed, because it's a a greater blessing to give than it is to receive. And generous people, the scripture says, are blessed people. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 9 says, The generous will find themselves to be blessed, for they shall share their food with the poor generosity blesses the giver and the receiver, but there's a greater blessing for those who give. Secondly, generosity pleases God. Let me ask you this question. What would be to you the most important moment in your life? And I'll tell you, I've had a lot of wonderful moments in my life. I think about the day my wife and I got married 36 years ago. I think about the day our children were born. I think about the day that our grandson was born. Those are all incredible moments in our lives. But if I had to say to you, And answer that question, what would be the most important moment in my life, I would say that it is a moment that has not yet happened. It almost happened two and a half years ago, almost three years ago, but it hasn't happened yet. That that moment for me will be the moment when I stand before God. I want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of Of your rest. That will be to me the most important moment because I want to have lived a life that is pleasing to God. How about you? Would you like to be able to please God? Look at Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 16. The writer of Hebrews says this And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Doing good, sharing with others, being generous is pleasing to God. Our generosity pleases God. Now, why wouldn't someone want to please God? The only answer that I can come up with is that somehow they do not believe that God is the source of every blessing that they have in their life. I can think of no other reason that someone would not want to please God by being generous. Our response to God's generosity toward us is gratitude. And that gratitude there, it, it moves from there and it inspires us to be generous. And the results are that God is pleased. Our generosity that flows out of a heart of gratitude makes God happy. Number three, generosity. Generosity is not a zero-sum game. Zero-sum game is an economic theory. And each of the participants in that theory, their, their gain and their loss is exactly balanced by the gain and loss of others who are in that game. So let's use the idea of a pie. To illustrate this, and our pie here today, this is really, I think, very, um, uh, very appropriate for this time of year. But our pie is going to be a peanut butter pie, a peanut butter pie with a graham cracker crust. And the the idea is that the the bigger the piece of pie in a zero sum game that I take, means there's less pie. Left over for you because there's only so much pie. And the zero sum game doesn't take into account that the maker of the pie has more ingredients and can make more pie. Look at Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. It says this one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Being generous doesn't mean that there'll be less resources available for us because our generosity is not a zero-sum game. Gratitude leads us to generosity, and that generosity does not mean that our needs will not be able to be met, or that somehow there is less blessing for our lives. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. Paul says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to remind you that these words that Paul is speaking is specifically in response to the fact that they had supported him in taking the good news of the kingdom throughout Asia Minor. They had financially supported him. And Paul is saying to them, listen, I want you to understand that because of your generosity, God is going to continue to be generous to you. And so we don't have to worry about using up all the pie. We don't have to be worried about giving a piece of that pie to someone else. We don't have to worry and say, well, then there's just one less piece of pie for me because God is going to continue to bless us. His ability to meet our need is not negatively impacted by our previous generosity. You see, his generosity is based on the eternal riches found in Christ Jesus. His generosity can never be emptied. And number four, God's generosity is reciprocal. You see, his intention for us in his blessings to us, in his generosity to us, is that it not simply stay with the recipient. God's blessings and his generosity are so that we can then, in turn, be generous to others. We read it once before, but I want to read it again from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, where Paul says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Blessings from God are not designed to stay in our own hands. They are designed to be received and shared with others. Look at Luke chapter 6, verses 30, verse 38. This is a powerful verse for us to understand. Give and it will be given to you. Good, a good measure, pressed down. Shaken together and running over, it will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In fact, what Jesus is telling us is that with the amount of generosity that we give, that's what will be given to us. That generosity is reciprocal. And when we open our hearts up and out of gratitude, we show generosity to others. Generosity will then be shown to us. Now, I'm not suggesting that we give in order to receive. I'm suggesting that we give out of a heart of gratitude, but that we realize that that generosity is Reciprocal. It allows us to be generous toward others. When God blesses us, we can then bless others and it produces overflowing thanksgiving. God's generosity has a purpose. I referred to this earlier as we spent time praying at the end of worship from Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 21. Proverbs says this, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. God has purpose, and he has a purpose for his generosity in our lives. And that purpose is that you and I wouldn't just be thankful for stuff. You know, on Thanksgiving Day, when we sat down for a lovely meal that that all of us worked hard to put on the table together. We talked about what we are thankful for. Sometimes we can feel thankful for stuff, but what I would like us to be thankful for is the one who makes everything possible. And in doing so, that you and I would live a lifestyle of gratitude. I know that these have been difficult times. I know that there are those of you right now listening to my voice, and there are people in your family or your circle of friends who may be hospitalized right now due to COVID-19. We've been told by our Marquette County Health Department that our our ability to care for people in our hospital has reached its maximum capacity and that there are so many cases that they can't even follow up and do contact tracing on them the way that they would like to do. I know that this has been a difficult year and a difficult season, but I want you to know that God has a purpose and I want you to join me in living a lifestyle of gratitude. And let that lifestyle of gratitude inspire you to be generous in every way. And I believe that when we do, there will be an overflow and that God will begin to bless through our lives in a way that he has never done before. And today, I hope you'll join me in this idea of thankfulosity and that we would allow the generosity of God to abound in our lives and that our gratitude would inspire us to jump in and be generous with all that he has blessed us with. Let's close with a word of prayer, shall we? Our precious Heavenly Father, I thank you today for all the blessings that you have poured out on our lives. I thank you for this Thanksgiving season where we have been able to to look and and even um, consider those blessings, where we've been able to ponder them and to have a sense of gratitude. I pray today that that gratitude will well up inside of us and that as a response, we would allow ourselves to be generous people. Father, I thank you because you have blessed our lives that you have not withheld any good thing from us. And I pray today that your purpose and your plan for our lives will indeed prevail. Father, I thank you today and I praise you for all that you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just want to thank you for being with us today. And if there's any way that we can be praying with you and praying for you, please reach out to us and let us know we love you. God bless you.